is going on everybody welcome in to another edition of the daily energy news beat stand up here on this gorgeous thursday november 16th 2023 as always i'm your humble correspondent michael tanner coming to you from an undisclosed location here in dallas texas rocking a solo show today Stu is out on assignment so i am filling in for him, but we still have a excellent podcast lined up for you as always energynewsbeat.com is rocking with all of your stories i've got two Before we jump into finance, the first one is I visited over 120 EV chargers. Three reasons why so many were broken. This is a a Wall Street Journal piece in which they went and visited um, a bunch of different EV chargers and and, and really broke down the issues surrounding it. Really great piece. We'll cover it quickly. Um, And then Goldman Sachs, they increased their forecast for higher returns on commodities. Kind of interesting. We'll dive into what they're saying. Um, The future of of the commodity business might look like um, in in the 12 month horizon. So, um, very fascinating. We love a good bullish Goldman Sachs. Um, then we'll kick over. I'll quickly cover what happened in finance. Um, today, guys, we've we've got markets up, reacting to a lot of different stuff. Uh, oil prices take a little bit of a dive off some EIA news. Um, and then we'll quickly let you guys get out of here and, and start your day. But before we do that, guys, as always, check us out online. World's greatest website: www.energynewsbeat.com. Um, Stu and the team do a great job curating that website. Make sure it stays up to speed with everything you need to be at the tip of the spear when it comes to the energy business. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube at Energy Newsbeat, dashboard energynewsbeat.com, data news combo product, email the show questions at energynewsbeat.com. Um, but let's go ahead and dive into it. I visited over 120 EV chargers, three reasons why so many were broken. Um, this is again from the Wall Street Journal. I want to try to find the the author here. It was a lady. She wrote it on here. Either way. Oh, uh, Joanna Stern. Okay. So she went ahead in Los Angeles and hit up 30 fast charging locations or public electric vehicle fast charging locations in Los Angeles County. Um, She did that in a Rivian R1T and found that 40% of them had problems. So this is in public EV chargers. Clearly not working out. You know, she says, as a Ford Mustang Mach E driver, I'm no stranger to these frustrations. Many of you have shared your charging horror stories and me since I began my EV adventure. Right, so let's go ahead and dive into this. They visited 30 EV charging stations, 13 of them had issues. Here was the first problem some of them were just flat out of order. So, of the 126 uh, stalls that she inspected, 27 of them were out of order. They either had a sign, um, a dead screen, or an error, a reading that says charger unavailable. If producer can, can can fly that in there. It just says charger unavailable, out of service, caution, sorry, out of service, not good. All of these companies told me that they have network operators currently monitoring them 24-7. Um, when problems pop up, they deploy technicians to assess and fix the issue. So what was wrong with these particular machines could be one of many things. The key is it takes a while to get that turned around. Solution, I love how they always try to put a solution here. New gear is needed, obviously. Better gear that works. This is my favorite problem too. Payment rejected. You get it all worked out, but you can't swipe your credit card. A technology has been around for decades. We can't figure out how to get it on EVs. It's just hilarious, okay? What's the solution? Upgrade the apps. Genius. Genius. Finally, the third one. This is interesting and I think is 
is one of the reasons why scaling EVs in from a regulatory standpoint might be necessary is the handshake failure, which is basically the connection to you and your EV to the um, fast charging doesn't quite work for whatever reason. It could be a software issue. It could be a timeout. It could be a bunch of different things. So the point is you can get it connected. You pull up, it takes your card, but boom, it's not transferring. And I mentioned this may be where in order to push some of this stuff forward, there's made to be a little bit of I don't want to say government regulation, but an agreement among makers. Can we create a single plug and play charger? I know that they're working on it, but some people have different combinations. There's a, the combined charging system that's integrated into most non-Tesla. The problem is Tesla is different, but most of non-Tesla EVs, including the Rivian, require a quick handshake. It, it basically, it, it, it's this new combined system. So they're working on it. It all comes back to the point. We are really far away from EV rollouts and people want to go quickly and phase out gas vehicles when 14, I promise you 14% of gas stations are not offline. I just promise you that. So this is, again, people talk about EVs don't work. Well, the problem is that there's a lot of downstream issues when it comes to EVs. Obviously, the, we, we've covered extensively the grid, but really, um, this EV charge is hilarious. 120 EV chargers, 40% of them out of work. Great work. Got to love it happen. Let's go to Goldman Sachs here. Um, title of this article, Goldman Sachs forecasts higher returns on commodities. Colored me shocked. Goldman Sachs thinks... for. Commodities are going to have high returns. The, the the Jeff Curie lore is strong, my friend. Let's let's see what it says here. Goldman Sachs expects increased returns of commodities over the next twelve months, buoyed by higher spot prices and easing monetary policy and recession fears, while asset class also strains on hedging against geopolitical suppliers. Man, that was written by somebody who just knew a lot of. That's what we call Fed speak right there. Good for you guys. Here's their actual numbers here. The bank's going to go ahead and forecast a twenty one percent return on the overall commodity sector over a twelve month horizon on their oil-heavy S&P GSCI commodity index. That's led by 31% specifically from energy and about 17.8% from the other industrial metals. I love this little random comment they throw in the article here as I'm looking at it. Well, the index has fallen 0.8% so far this whole year on rising oil prices. Got to love it, folks. It's absolutely insane. So Goldman Sachs, here's their quote in, in just a note. They're not, you know, with, with Jeff Curry gone, they, they, no one's really putting their name on this stuff. Now, we recommend going long commodities. Got to love it, though. If you're going to go long, you might. I feel bad not wanting to go long commodities because I love it. $120 oil, I am all for. I'd love to see it. If you're Goldman Sachs, they recommend going, quote, long commodities in 2024 as we expect someone to higher spot commodity prices from an improving cyclical backdrop, significant carry returns from structural tailwinds, and see hedging value against negative supply shocks. Again, that's just a bunch of gobbledygook. But I think they're on to something in terms of if inflation does start to cool, we've seen we'll, we'll talk about some of the new numbers that that have just dropped that are sort of leading to an ease and a boom in the stock market. And I, I wouldn't say boom, but we, we've seen the last two days of, of increases so far, considering that we will also now see OPEC led cuts specifically by Saudi Arabia over the next year as they've come out and said in the last few days. They're not wrong to say commodities are probably going to increase in here. Do I do we see a 20 do I see a 21% return, specifically 31% from energy? Absolutely not. But there's they're probably about halfway there. You could probably see somewhere, and we get we don't give investment money, somewhere between that 10 to 15%, in my opinion, sounds exactly what it should be. So, you know, that 17.8 from industrial metals, you know, be remiss to say um they forecast tightening uh in copper and aluminum stocks for the next decade, driving up prices um in the second half of 2024. So um, 
you know, go ahead and get on that aluminum trend. Gotta love it. Let's quickly cover some finance stuff, guys. S&P 500 up about six tenths of a percentage point. NASDAQ up about um, three tenths of a percentage point. Really after some some early morning um, strongness, mainly followed by two days of, of great data. Um, we did see the, the the producer price index drop this morning, which is really that gauge of wholesale prices. Uh, dropped about half a percentage point. Uh, biggest monthly decline since April 2020, which is, again, COVID. Um, this, again, comes a day after the consumer price index remained flat, which is two signs that the at least the market is taking that the Fed may be done raising rates or may begin to even drop rates slightly. I don't see that necessarily happening. Um, these Tuesday session gains and Wednesday session gains are really the biggest since um, April of this year. So absolutely good. We're up more than 7% for the month. A lot of interesting stuff. Cisco Systems saw about 11% drop. But again, looking at kind of that macro macro finance piece, what that does for oil is, is again, as the dollar be, as the dollar strengthens, we're going to see prices slightly fall. Now, prices today were down a little bit. Uh, crude oil, WTI currently trading 76.54 as we record this um, here at about 5.45 on the uh, uh, 15th. And that's about a 1.5% drop with a, with a slightly bigger than expected uh, build in crude oil supply. Remember, um, last week, the IEA did not come out because of data systems upgrade and did not decide to release a number. Conveniently, the API said there was an 11.9 million barrel build in the Strategic uh, Petroleum Reserve. This week, API yesterday drops a 1.3 million barrel build estimate. IEA in their first week back drops a 3.6 million barrel build. So that delta of about two between the API and the EIA's numbers from Tuesday to Wednesday, really driving that price down, even though we are reacting specifically, even though there's a little bit of a reaction specifically, um, to some of that positive economic news. But I think we're there's a lot of mixed signals with oil prices. Again, I go back to Goldman Sachs. They're in, I think in the long term, they're right. But I think in the short term, they're... And again, they're talking about a 12-month forecast. So I, I think we we leave that off the table. I think in the short term, there's a lot more volatility. And I think a lot more a lot more things that we could see happen to drive prices down where in that long run, you're probably still good to uh, to continue to, to, to dump on Goldman Sachs. But hey, um, I've beat up Goldman Sachs enough. So who, I'd be remiss if I didn't go ahead and hop on um, the bull is trained. I'll probably, you know, after hearing this podcast, they'll probably call me for an interview because they, they can't hire enough, enough bull analysts over there. So, uh, that's really all I've got, folks. Appreciate you guys checking us out um, here at World's Greatest Podcast, Energy Newsbeat for Stuart Turley, who's out, and Michael Tanner. Guys, we will see you tomorrow. Um, actually, no, we won't. Um, I, this is our last show of the week. You'll get our weekly recap, um, on, or you'll get a new podcast on Friday, um, from Stu, a couple things, uh, coming out. And then Saturday, you'll hear our weekly recap. So again, we appreciate everybody, um, checking that out and we'll be back in your ears Monday morning. So have a great time, guys. Enjoy this podcast with Stu on Friday. Enjoy the weekly recap on Saturday. And we will see you folks on Monday for Stuart Turley. I'm Michael Tanner. See you, folks. 